0: I silenced the audience, according to editing. So, um, yeah, I'm going to burn down NBC one day. How <laughs> dare they go after my career? I was on cruise ships. Heavier, There's one thing that's right I go. That's where I am. Mm. Hey, everybody. I don't know why my arms are up, but welcome to the podcast. Welcome to This Week in Zoltan. I am Zoltan. This is episode, I don't know. I should keep track, does it matter? Do you care? are you do you use it as a reference point and go in episode two forty eight you said you had a left hemorrhoid, but in episode two fifty eight it was gone no no this is uh this is where we do it uh it's a special episode. My wife is in the corner uh Mike is on the ones and twos, and uh so I get to you know get called out if i uh if i say any lies if i hassan minaj an episode story or something my wife can go in and go that is not how that happened at all you were really you're really making up your own tales that was the big uh that was the big news we'll get to the rest of the stuff later but like uh i read an article in the new york times about an article in the new yorker so it's very it's very new york centric but they were uh they were trashing hassan minaj because he apparently embellished some stuff in a stand-up and i don't know if you're like me mike but every time i start to read an article that's bashing a comedian i immediately emotionally take the comedian side a hundred percent yeah and i'm like you're wrong yeah you're wrong let comedians embellish stories and then i read the article and i was like well <laughs> you can't do that. I had the same exact
1: thing. I was like, we all lie to an extent to make it funny. And then I was like, oh, no, this is not. Right. This is a a lie, a different kind of lie.
0: I I feel horrible. Every time a comedian's been in trouble, whether I know their work or I don't know their work, or whether I've even passed them in a hall or have any connection to them, I try to defend them just based on the fact that we do the same thing, and then, lo and behold, you end up hearing whatever they did or whatever they're accused of doing, and you're like, ah, damn it. Another one for us. Um, but yeah, he was like embellishing big parts of stories. Because I'm a storyteller, and I embellish little parts of stories. Like, uh, re- read the article, because I don't remember exactly, The I don't want to accused him of things he didn't do but one of them was like uh he said he had a joke on a special where he got uh he got ditched on the prom like by his date because he said that his date's parents didn't want her going to the prom with a brown boy was apparently the story yeah yeah. and then i guess that was it's not even like he embellished part of it i guess none of it was true and that family started getting like hate mail And it's like, dude, you can't... Like, you can add a wrinkle. You can add a Like, here's an example of a story that is true, but that is embellished and changed in order of context. In my last special, White Lies, which was released a year ago, go watch it, by the way. It's at 400,000 views. Let's get it to 400 million. Uh, But there's a story in there about me being molested by a ghost, which is a true story that happened... At Hotel Congress in Tucson, Arizona in January of 21 or 22. Yeah, 22. Yeah. And uh, the only parts of the story that I changed is the reveal. Because the way it really happened is we went to sleep. We never fell asleep because the building was creepy. And then we heard a cough. And I felt someone standing on my side of the bed. And then I felt, you've never heard this, so you're oh. going to, yeah, yeah. And then I felt a pressure on my hip, like someone's hand on my hip. Hell yeah. And then it moved, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 and then it moved over my junk. And then it, it was like, uh, it was like he was mixing uh, ground beef You know like when you're making you know when you're making hamburger patties and you put the egg in there and the whole and it was this motion sure and i was freaking out i was like i couldn't i had no voice in my throat that part of the story is true where i'm like And and finally i throw the blanket and i i like i yell and you wake up and all that leading up to the joke is all true now, the part where it starts to veer is in the joke, I say, you go, what happened? Did you have a bad dream? Which you did say that. And then I reveal, no, I just got molested by a ghost, which is not how it went down. I said, everything's fine. And then, because I didn't want you to get creeped out, and I didn't want to have to leave this hotel at 3 in the morning. Right. So, I just, I just said the place creeped me out, and I think we left the lights on. And then I just laid there replaying what had happened to me until the sun came up. And then we didn't even wait for the sun to come. We waited till like five AM. We probably waited two more hours. I'm like, let's just get the hell out of here. Yeah. And we hopped in the car and I didn't reveal the story till we hit the highway. That's when I felt safe. <laughs> so once we hit the highway and we're like headed to we were headed to New Mexico or something, I was like, All right, this is what happened. I have so many questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, how do you know the ghost was a he? let's start there the strength of the hands <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. yeah the, the cough? The, oh yeah so the cough was very massive. did you hear the cough uh-huh. yeah and also what...
1: how did you convince her that it was a ghost i need to start using that story every time i go on the road i'm like <laughs> babe a ghost jerked me off. <laughs>
0: It's <laughs> just well, a really pale waitress from the club. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just a, it was just a goth server from the bar downstairs. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, but the... Uh, yeah, so... When we got there, the, the place is supposed to be haunted. Mm. So, like, I was performing. They have a performance space downstairs. And then leading oh, up no. to the show, the venue is like, hey, if you want a complimentary hotel room. I was like, absolutely. I don't have to get a hotel. That's You're great. Good Sit- no one stayed here in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder it was free. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we Googled the hotel, and it's, like, supposed to be – or we Googled it when we got there and because i just saw it was a historic hotel but apparently it's like very haunted like each room kind of has like a different thing that happens in it and our room wasn't on the list of anything happening but she's pretty sensitive to ghosts so yeah so she felt it like as a creepy space as soon as we got there i didn't feel that yeah and um but i do remember after we did the show we had talked so much about ghosts that neither of us could fall asleep and that so we're just laying there, and I couldn't sleep. I'm still kind of jacked up from the show and laying there for hours, can't sleep. And then we hear that wet cough, like a loud cough, and then it felt like someone was standing right next to me. And you both were awake? Yeah. Awake with eyes closed. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then you felt it, then you just lied because you didn't want to scare... I didn't want to scare her. I didn't want her to...
0: Because I didn't want to have to... So there's no
1: chance it was was a weird dream you were having? No. Because you were both...
0: Okay. Yeah, 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 because the cough thing really let me know. Because she was like, are you sure you weren't asleep? And I go, I have never been more sure that I wasn't asleep at all. Like, I wasn't even remotely tired. I was, like, trying to sleep, and it wasn't even I mean, I guess of all the ghosts...
1: Get yeah, one that's just a little frisky. Yeah, dude. Like, there's so many things that ghost could have done that would have been way worse. You know. Really? I mean, kick you, throw you out of the bed. That's true. Just drop the you. It could have picked me head. up by the junk. Yeah, stuff. but no, just just wanted a little cop feel. Yeah, but man, yeah, the cough it, might have been like, uh, can, I? <laughs> can <laughs> I? It could have been a permission <laughs> cough, A consent <laughs> cough. This ghost is very woke. I'm here, but if
0: you don't wake up, I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah. If you wake up, I won't go for it. But yeah, yeah the, I
1: guess she's asleep. Yeah, so,
0: but I guess that's an example of, like, yeah. changing, like, nothing changed elements of a story, but the right. story's the same. Right. And... The, the root has to be true. Yes. I,
1: essentially, for the... For everything else can be embellished, but it, I feel like the root... I'm like, anybody can do anything. Right. We'll see if he gets away with this. Exactly. But... And also the element that... The and they, starting point usually is where it's true and then everything else is kind of like... It kind a, of veers and goes off to whatever off, it is. Yeah. But
0: also, um, all of the Hassan Minaj stories, they pointed this out in the article, in the New York Times article about the New Yorker article. Uh, they pointed out that every one of the stories where he's been called out for these big embellishments, he comes out as the sympathetic hero right. figure in the story, yeah. which is extra weak. Like, Ew, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, man, you're gonna make up a complete fabrication, but you're not even gonna like put yourself down a little. You're gonna make yourself out to be like the the victim in it all. Is yeah. kind of gross. It's like the lady that lied about. She was like the head of the 9/11 Survivors
1: Committee, but she wasn't. Like, she was a survivor. She never was. Oh, she ran a she, did. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but she made. She made tons of money from the charity. And she was never even in New York at the time. Well, that's worse than Rana Zizi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Rana Zizi thing I I kind of get. I could do that. As an early comedian, like a young comedian, just like, you say something once and you're like, oh, shit, now I kind of have to do this. Do you know this story? So Steve Rana Zizi. I must say, I've met him since then. He's nice? Recently. God damn it. I I didn't want to like him for that reason. But he is
0: so nice. Good. So kind. Well, see, it it can go in either direction. Yeah. But yeah, Ran is easy. he said, I guess he said once when he was young and then he kept repeating the lie because now people knew, but he said he was in the, one of the towers at 9-11 and ran out of the building and uh, obviously survived and that was his motivation for getting into stand-up i think
1: and it bothered me mostly not as a comedian but my old roommate survived he actually did run from the towers and he's got an injury from it well that's who yeah so that
0: like it bothered me for him type of yeah thing, you know? i mean yeah. that's who it should bother yeah, it for yeah, it didn't course, bother course. me i don't yeah. i have uh luckily <laughs> 9-11 doesn't bother me
1: dude <laughs> yeah. do it again <laughs> see if i care <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Sorry, was that I think, what you were thinking?
0: I, I think the phrase "never forget" is unhealthy, and it keeps hate <laughs> in our heart. And uh I've forgotten. No, I'm kidding. I I flew on 9/11. So, like, if if there's anything about the strength of America is that I flew on 9/11 a couple weeks ago, and I knew going into TSA that we're going to take our laptops out. Like, sure. I knew this wasn't going to be a day where we don't. Yeah. Because never forget. But uh yeah. So I guess Rand is easy light about that, but. I'm glad to hear he's a nice guy. But anyway, like, the embellishments and jokes are just little wrinkles, little here and there. And I've kind of noticed, at least with me telling stories, that the closer I stay to the facts of the story, the actual funnier it is. Because once you really start adding these fake aspects to it, it starts getting so fantastical that I think sometimes it gets less funny. And a lot of times the real human element – to every embarrassing or whatever story that happens to you is far more relatable to, to the audience than anything you can fantastically make up. Well, that's the up.
1: joke. That's what makes you a comedic writer or performer is that right. you take the, the real and make it absurd. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a story about having heart surgery. And when I came out of anesthesia, the anesthesiologist said something. And then I remembered it later, and I was like, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if this is how that the rest of that transaction handled?" <laughs> and that's the story. And I've done that joke for heart associations for right. you know like, and it's not true necessarily, but the root of the story is a hundred percent true. The root true. is true. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we embellish because that's what our job is. But right. To, to to not never have had heart surgery. Yeah. And then tell that joke as if I'm the victim there. Like, all right, you're 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 just a dick. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Th- sometimes like. It's very true, and that's exa- and you're really like taking liberties and just making yourself look good. But man, sometimes just like the story as is is beautiful. Like uh, Dane, remember the story? My buddy Dane, not a comedian, he's my childhood friend, going to his wedding this weekend. Best man got to do a speech. That's hard. Uh, but he used to be an Uber driver, and one of his last rides, he picked up a guy with a knife in his chest, and. He shows up, he's got a knife in his chest and he sits in the front, which definitely sit in the back if you got a knife knife in your chest. And, and she gets in, ride for Dane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what you have to say to me. <laughs> and Dane goes Dude, what? You need an ambulance. Like you got a knife in your chest. And he goes, No, no, no that's expensive. I can't afford that. And he goes, uh, and he goes, You're gonna bleed in my car. And he goes, No, no, no. I brought a dish rag. He brought a dish rag to like <laughs> sop up. He has a knife, a kitchen knife, in his chest. <laughs> and he said he had slipped and fallen while after making dinner and fell on this damn sure. knife. And uh, and he's like, I gotta go to the hospital. So he brought a rag. And then he goes. Then they get to the ride, and Dane realizes this guy got an Uber pool. Like, he didn't even get a stand... He's not making this up. This is the facts of the story. He didn't get... And he goes, Dude, you got an Uber pool? Like, we're gonna pick up more... They're gonna be... You got a knife in your chest. And he goes, Oh, don't worry. That's why I brought this hat. If we have to pick anyone up, I'll just hang it off the handle. And no one will be the wiser. And uh, I would tell that story... Verbatim. I I wouldn't say that it happened to me. I said this happened to my friend Dane, and the only thing I added to it is like like some lame line where like, and that's that was when he went back to college. And he's like, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna learn to trade because I can't do this anymore. Then gets uh, in the the guy gets in the car, and you're like, all right, I guess we'll just take you with his knife to Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to dinner? <laughs> Seems a bit aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I always think like the truest. You keep it. To the facts, the yeah. funnier it is. And who knows? Maybe Hassan Minaj has lived this really good life. Like, he's a good looking dude. I could almost see him. He has, like, starting quarterback high school good looks. Yeah. I, I could biased. see him just winning the entire time. And maybe that's why he doesn't have that kind of thing to pull from of, like, being a benevolent. I don't even know if I'm using benevolent, right, but like being a character that's like
1: rooted for instead of rooted against. I've always just seen his like overselling of everything he does with his giant gestures. Mm -hmm. I'm like, he's hiding something because he's got nothing. There's nothing behind it. So he's doing like all these big things. And now we know it's because he's a liar.
0: Like a car salesman. Yeah, he's a car salesman. Yeah, because car salesmen have big... Listen, and the worse the car, the bigger the movements. Well, there you go. The better the car, the less they have to yeah. say. The the, the worse it. the car, the more floppy, yeah. you know, signs and like blow
1: up <laughs> signs. Are, seriously, <laughs> you gotta attract your eye somehow yeah. and distract you from the dings and the dents. Dude, if
0: there is a gorilla above, if there's an inflated gorilla holding a car above the dealership you're going to, yeah, stay away. Yeah, get get the uh, get the warranty. How much for that car? Did you notice the gorilla? And did that's you not notice what I asked. the gorilla? That's not what I asked. <laughs> Get that damn
1: ape in here! <laughs> what do I do? got to do to put you in this ninety-two Kia? Did
0: you notice? <laughs> did you notice the giant gorilla on the roof? That's so true, and that's not. But by the way, that's. I don't agree with that for all comedians because, like, Brian Regan's a big performer, yeah. like a big over-the-top guy, but like, but he lives I, I, in absurdity. Fits. He lives. That's a good point. He, he doesn't
1: sell it as truth. Yes, he's not. He, his. His plane never rumbled down the grass, and the pilot never said, "I guess we're number one." That's we all know. We have yep. all bought
0: in. Yep.
1: The we all b- we bought into Hassan, and it's a
0: lie. So there's two problems there. Aye. So anyway, yeah, the fact that they're questioning because I guess he's in line to be the host for the Daily Show, but we're we live in a day and age where like you and I are old enough to remember when the Daily Show started, oh, back when like Kilborn was the host, Craig Kilborn. Yeah, and then what was then? Yeah, before he went off to like host the Tonight Show or whatever he did, the late show. And, uh, but now because of Jon Stewart, like the Daily Show is looked at as a news site, Mm -hmm. a news site with comedic commentary. So you have to have a host with integrity as opposed to like when Kilborn did it, he was like, he treated it like a sports center anchor with like just jokey jokes and not real news. And then Jon Stewart came in and did like, a weird mix of, like, heavy comedy with real news. And then now it's just CNN with some punchlines. Mm. And uh, so now, like, if you're called out as being in a big-time embellisher and a liar, you might not get this job. Oh, well, well. You might, which, give it to Roy Wood. I like that guy. Yeah. Okay. so that funny. Guy.
1: If you ever get a chance, look up Roy Wood's story about his very first acting gig where he played a uh, union soldier. And he didn't... The story basically goes he he didn't have... He had to bring his own shoes. they like just wear black shoes and all he had was black Jordans. And so he's a Union soldier. <laughs> with
0: black Jordans. And with black
1: Jordans. Like, we'll dirty him up. He's like, no, you won't. <laughs> it's
0: such a good story. Roy Wood is one of the greatest, greatest I, out there. I connect with him. The story that I connected with him on the most was he did Star Search. Wow. And he did, he told the story. On, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, this Is Not Happening, when he took over for Ari as the host. And he did a set where he talks about going on Star Search and Arsenio Hall saved him from running off the stage and beating the crap out of B2K, uh, who was like the celebrity judges, one of the celebrity judges that hated his set. And uh, and then- B2K the band? B2K the band, because this is when- wow. So that was when they were hot. So what's that, early 2000s? Yeah, yeah 90, they must have rebooted 2000s. Star Search and he was on it. apparently he killed yeah. round one came back for round two and just didn't have a good set Mm -hmm. like he did is like he talks about he's like i did my hulk hogan joke my hulk hogan joke was killing everywhere he's so funny he's like i had proof of concept on this material it's not my first time doing it i've been doing the hulk hogan joke for years and it just died that night and i had these two like 14 15 year old kids going nah i don't like it and then just gave him the and he wanted to lunge at him and uh arsenio grabbed him by the by the suit coat, like the bank, goes no 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 no. <laughs> like very lightly like, go no 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 <laughs> and he goes, Arsenio saved my career that night. And then he at the end he goes, he's backstage with Arsenio and he goes, he goes, never forget, people will forget a bad set, but they won't forget a bad attitude. And that is so true. Like if you bomb on something important, unless it's like a miraculous bomb where you fall off the stage like that kid in Chicago, yeah, people aren't gonna remember it. They'll yeah. forget, but if you bomb and then lunge over and beat up a celebrity judge, you bomb. You're th- you bomb and you smash a guitar over someone's head. We all know that <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, we all know that guy. Then your career's over. And yeah. I related to that because I bombed royally on America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. like so bad uh, that I still like one day the NBC building will burn to the ground and you won't have to put out a manhunt it was me <laughs> all right like, i will i will bring universe i'm kidding i won't say that but uh they they got me in the feelings they tried to like i took it as they they gave me an opportunity but gave me a rough situation and i'm like you almost like tried to kill my career i'm gonna kill all of you like that was my m- mindset yeah. i took it way personally and um so for him to like i totally connected with that set but then he talked about the pettiness that he had and he goes for the next 10 years every time he went to like a sam goody or a or a big record store he would take all the b2k records and go hide them in like (laughs) gospel or like a less desirable category and he worked at a radio uh, the number one radio station in Birmingham, Alabama, and he would see the list of songs for the day, and if he saw anything from B2K, he would go, oh, Control-Alt-Delete. Nice. Not in Birmingham. Like, he took out a one-sided petty war against B2K, and I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Emma knows that. Emma knows every time, like, I'm, um, I'm wronged by somebody. Or not even wrong, just not accepted by them. And we're like, oh, they don't want me? Well, then let's get so big that they come to me and then I say no, thank you. Oh, there's so many people I can't wait to say no to. Oh. So many clubs. Oh. You don't know how many good sets I have where I think of all the people I will say no to if they ever. you?
1: I wish, though, that we could see the set that they saw. To make them say no to us? Because we'd be like, oh, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> You're 100% right.
0: <laughs> that was we, awful. Yeah, we had bad sets yeah. for sure. I, uh, Yeah, yeah, th- dude, There's especially if you take, because they, they always related to baseball, and they're like, you know, baseball players, they only have to hit it 30% of the time, and they're like the best in the league. Yeah, yeah. But if you take all of our sets from our entire career, meaning open mic number one to now, I think we might be at 30%. Maybe. Because yeah. you think about all those horrible sets in those first few years and never gallant. had one. I've been crushing since day one. <laughs> oh, you've just crushed since day one? <laughs> I've never heard of them. These bombs
1: are <laughs> mythical as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> the dry mouth bombs. Oh, those are it the ones off. that you are I told Emma about these and she's like, what's that like? And I go, it feels like you're trying to tell jokes, but your mouth is full of sand and your lips keep sticking to your teeth. And then in between jokes, you try to get some moisture in your mouth. So you go, you just try to do like a weird like. And you uh, think you're hiding that sound through yeah, under yeah. the laughter, <laughs> yeah. but nobody's laughing. Yeah, and you <laughs> yeah, there's no laughing, and you can tell the audience can see the foam Ugh. curling up in the corners of your mouth, and you're like, ah, no more of this. And that's what that's what happened on America's Got Talent. No, I did. Did You make it past the first round?
1: I technically
0: hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so the, what happened was. And I should have known this going into it. They asked me to be on America's Got. They asked me like three years in a row because they have like a million producers that work on the show and they yeah. need people. They need, they need warm bodies to throw out there. And, you know, my stuff's online. So they kept reaching out. And I was like, I don't think I'm good for that format because it's two minutes and yeah. I'm long winded, dude. Yeah, yeah, it takes yeah. me 10 minutes to say hello. Same thing happened to me. i yeah. said no twice because I'm like, I, I don't have it. Right. I don't have I'm not,
1: fast jokes.
0: Yeah, it's for one yeah. linery, quick bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And that's not me. And then finally, I my agent at the time kind of talked me into it. He's like, Well, what else you got going on? Why not try? And I go, Well, you didn't have to put me down. But, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's your fault, agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, Let, Let's go try. And. Um, I, I was on the same season as Vicki Barbalak, who did really well. She's a San Diego comic, so I would see her at the store all the time. And we were kind of talking about, like, oh, have they asked you to blah, blah, blah. And I remember it got to, like, nut-cutting time. And I saw her at the store, and I'm like, hey, have you heard anything from America's Got Talent as far as filming goes? Because I haven't heard anything for a date. And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm filming this Friday. And we filmed. They came to the trailer park last week. They filmed the whole thing for me. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, oh, I guess they're just over me or whatever. Yeah. And then Friday morning I get a phone call going, can you be in Pasadena uh, today at five? And so I was like, okay. And then I should have known. I'm not a priority on their list as far as like showcasing with some heat behind them. But I didn't really connect those dots and I'm like, whatever, I'll go to Pasadena. I show up, I'm gonna go on three hours into this taping. And I'm listening to the audience kind of in between, because as soon as I showed up, they just had me do all these interviews where they asked me the same 10 questions in different locations backstage. All the way up until they were about to throw me out on stage. And then it got to the point where they were going to start the next interview, and they're like, you're on next. And I'm like, I'm on next? And I turned to the camera guy, I'm like, can we not do this? Can I have a second to just be in my head and about to go out there, national television? And they're like, oh, okay. And then I had like a second to myself, and I looked at the act in front of me, And it was a guy riding an inflatable unicorn on a trampoline. Sure. And he's doing flips. Bombing. Like, boo, like, boo, like, booing this guy. (laughs) And they had booed the last five acts because I could hear while I was doing these horrible, I'm going to give the money to my mother, like, interviews. And then I go out there. I remember just, this is the only moment I had in my head as I'm getting shoved out on stage. I go, if you bomb, don't get angry. Don't lunge. Don't even make a face. Mm -hmm. Don't let them see you sweat. Smile. Smile like the dumbest human alive. So smart. Because then they can't edit you to make you look like a giant jackass. Yeah. And so I go out there, and they wanted me to do the cat joke. Uh, The little banter before with the people went well. The audience liked me. And then I go into my set, and I start the cat joke, and I missed a line in the cat person joke, which isn't a big line. I had done it many times without the line, but I'd never had an audience of 1,500 people turn on me over the line and have dads in Oxford shirts get up and start booing me with cupped hands. I remember seeing a guy, this big, dumb oaf of a man. He had his kids there and his wife. He got... like (laughs) what is the matter with you i just remember like i'm in the middle of a joke and i'm on autopilot because i know it's going bad and i make eye contact with him and i wanted to end my set and go what is the matter with you you, you, you're you raising children? You big. I wanted to slap them with a big sandwich. That's what I wished. Just slap them with a big sub sandwich. But I kept it in my head, and I cut the joke short. Halfway through, I'm like, oh, you guys don't like cats? How about if I talk about how I grew up without a dad? So I flipped it and went into this other joke about growing up without a dad. They turned him, and then I ended on a good, like, I ended strong. So I... I my interview part went good i started my set bombed they're booing me all of them and then i ended up doing great at the end and so that's to let you know how fake that audience is i've been doing comedy a long time i've never had an audience boo me 10 seconds in and then cheer me at the end so if you're gonna boo me boo me all the way through and um so like the judges respected that like how he was like oh i'm a comic i like that you switched it pass so they all passed me simon x'd me and afterwards they're like technically it's up to producers now because you technically passed but it's up to producers and i remember having a pit in my stomach for the next like week going if i get on this show What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? I had, like, dreams of the show being live and just going off on the judges. Like, if they can't cut my mic and if I really am live and go, did you guys ever think how many homeless people have to live in a ditch so you guys can get paid what you get paid to be a judge on the show? (laughs) Like, I, I was having, like, revenge. Like, do I do that or do I try to really go for the win? And then, thankfully, they, they decided not to go through, and, like, this relief was lifted off my chest. Yeah. And I was like, ah, thank God. And then it came time for the episode to come out months later. And I remember I blocked all of America's Got Talent on social media, so they couldn't tag me in anything. Like, nice. when I knew it was coming, I blocked them all. And in case. In case. I turned off my phone. I did a show with Dustin Nickerson that night in San Francisco. And uh, and earlier that day, just to add a little more salt in the wounds, I bombed at a car dealership for sure. an hour. I got bombed at that Toyota dealership that I told you about. That happened the day they were releasing my episode of bombing on national television. Well, were you on the top of the roof holding the car? <laughs> <it>? I wish. <laughs> I wanted to jump off that roof just to get a reaction out of them. But So I'm sitting... Uh, Afterwards, you know, it, it's over with. And what they ended up doing to edit my clip, they put me in a montage of horrible acts, which is cool. Like, they didn't just, like, play my whole episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead of showing me getting booed, which I did, or me getting cheered, which I did, they showed something that didn't happen at all, which was no reaction. So they just showed, like, a 10-second clip of, like, crickets, of, like, me doing my material to the audience... Just not responding at all, and Heidi going, I'm so bored right now. And I was like, she passed me. Like, she was one of the people that said you were great. Wow. Like, you totally edited it. You didn't even show me getting booed. Like, you could have showed that. Yeah. 10,000, or how many? 10,000 people. A thousand people booing me. But you decided to just show me being boring, which is kind of a relief. I think that's better than getting booed. Sure. And you're like, all right, I guess I'm just boring. You still use it as a credit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was on AGT. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on AGT. Did you get cheered? No. Did you get booed? Neither. No? I got neither reaction. I silenced the audience, according to editing. So, um, yeah, I'm going to burn down NBC one day. How dare <laughs> they go after my career? I was on cruise ships. Is that why you cut your hair? <laughs> <laughs> so no one would recognize you? <laughs> that would have been a good time. Yeah, I actually really. waited two more years until I should have done it right then and there. 2018. While you're it watching off. it, just shaking it. just shaving it until I. <laughs> I'll show you. Until Heidi. I anxiety myself into a seizure. Just that's go, yeah, so nah, nah, nah. Like on the show yesterday, watched a guy. Anyway, um, so has San Minaj lied? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I
1: guess it's a that was- 30 minutes of that. That's a, but that's how you know it's a good. It's a good talk. It's a good hang. Good subject.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that was gonna take up that much time. But yeah, dude, it was, uh, I don't know. I try, to, I try to, not that I have integrity in my jokes. I'm not trying to sound all high and mighty of like, the jokes I tell are real. It's just that uh, in my experience, the, the closer I stick to whatever the truth was in the story, it's funnier. And I'm a, I'm, that's all I care about is being as funny as I can be on stage.
1: It's like selling a documentary, like trying to sell a narrative film as a documentary. Mm-hmm. It's like you're telling us this is true, and then it's, but we find out it's not. Yeah. It's like you can't do that. No. You have to call it a film. You can't call it a documentary. Then
0: it's fiction. Then yeah. you're doing a mockumentary like Spinal yeah. Tap or exactly. something. You're not... I don't know. Yeah. But um, I guess that's who I am. Uh, great weekend this weekend in... Uh, we did Portland on Wednesday. Uh, Helium. Sold it out. Thank you, Portland. Uh, and I found out some great news. There's a group that came to my show last time I was in Portland. They're a divorce support group. Because I guess I had jokes about divorce on my special modern mail. And they came out to see me. So they all came out to see me again. And she sent me an email afterwards. And the gr- the name of their divorce support group, since it was new when they and the first event was seeing me a couple years ago, they named it Zoltan. So there's a divorce support group in Portland, Oregon named Zoltan. And uh, I'm honored. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's like... It's like if there was uh uh almost like the Zoltan was the king of the nerds in Dude Where's My Car. This is like even better than being the king of the nerds. I'm the king of the divorce the divorced. I am they are my leaders, even though I'm happily married now, but like I get to show them the other side. Like, come on, you. thank you for yawning while I'm doing the, <laughs> that's some great hey how's the podcast going i look over my wife's like hey. <laughs> oh.
1: I'm so
0: sorry. it's okay the coffee we got was horrible so yeah ground central i think someone took a dump in the drip today
1: normally it's really good normally it it's is really so good
0: i think it was just burnt yeah yeah do you normally get the drip over there uh i'm normally cold brew oh, okay and then yeah, I, get, I make my doing. own hot coffee Ooh. yeah i don't just know why that you. sounded so I special oh, yeah is the way you delivered, and I was like, "All right." I normally make my own coffee. <laughs> I normally make my own
1: hot coffee. My voice is extra deep lately because of the smoke inhalation, so I've been
0: trying to go as deep as I can. <laughs> he went. Mike went camping. Yeah. And drank a lot, and uh, which just that's kind of what you do. Cam- There's two types of campers. There's the campers that. Um, Really like to hike and be outdoors, and those people wear Columbia gear all the time. Yeah. They're the people you see at the airport going, good Lord, you come out of a bush for this flight? Sandals in the winter. Sandals with thick socks in the winter. Yuck. Yuck. Like, what a way to tell us you're a retired history teacher, (laughs) other than wearing sandals with thick socks, but... And then there's the other side of campers which is i think the rest of society and most of it which is like let's get hammered in the woods we'll and then someone up brings up shrooms and get hammered, yeah. yeah yeah put your feet up i'm gonna make a stake in the woods we're gonna take a dump in a porta potty and uh someone might bring shrooms and someone will go no i had a bad trip last time but you talk that guy into it and before you know it he's he's crying in his tent <laughs> you know so that i'm glad i'm glad you had yeah, a good time I'm and fine, i'm fine yeah i you, went to the
1: doctor i thought i was sick I thought I had COVID, but it was just sucking air, sucking fire yeah. fire smoke.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wear all your clothes smell like an ashtray the yep, next day and sure you're like do. God. But also COVID's on the back. That's why I was yeah. Worried. That's why I was
1: concerned. Yeah, I didn't want to get anybody sick. On
0: my flight home, like so many people had masks on. And uh so I guess COVID's on the comeback. Congrat congratulations, COVID. Um but yeah, the shows in Portland were good. Tacoma was amazing. The Tacoma Comedy Club added a second room. That's how successful Damn. that club is doing in Tacoma. Because they have the big one, which I think seats like 250 or 300. It's like a normal size comedy club. But they added a 100-seater, which is where I worked. Next, It's like a side room of a breakfast restaurant that they own. <laughs> But, the, uh, but Tacoma Comedy Club runs a good room. Like all their clubs are really good. Yeah. I'm not just saying that because they book me. Thank you for booking me, by the way. <laughs> but, but like, I mean it. Like all their clubs, especially Spokane and Tacoma, those were their, Tacoma was their first one, Spokane's their second one. You walk in and both are so shaped in a way that's a failure for comedy. And because the crowds are so hot or the way they end up setting up the show, you have a killer set every time. Like Spokane is just a big ass room. Yeah. Giant fifty eight foot ceilings, big box of a room. It's a kill it's like when people say a kill box, it is. Like the crowds there are amazing. Same with Tacoma. So like this side room that they they made, I guess my I don't even know if this is a critique. It's just something I noticed while I was on stage. They have all these paintings of comedians on the wall, these portraits of comedians, and while I was on stage I noticed they're all dead. None (laughs) of them are alive. They picked all the dead comedians. So, like, next to me is like Robin Williams and then Bernie Mac and then Mitch Hedberg, Geraldo, Bob Saget's at the end, all these, did John Panette. I don't, he was, it's so many. And I'm like, this is weird, man. Like, it'd be like. uh. Maybe it was one of them that was uh, jerking you off in the hotel.
1: <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> bob newhart played uh played congress hotel congress back in back in 1950s i don't know but it was such a i i get the only thing i could compare it to is like it must be like when you're hiking everest and you got to pass all those frozen dead bodies to the top like that's the only thing right that's the only thing you can because what other line of work are you reminded of the people that have died doing what you did so other than like trying to climb to the summit of mount everest and you're like uh.
1: Except for you can't see those pictures on the wall, go, made it past that guy. No, (laughs) because I'm here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I'm here. I'm like, I don't even think they work this room. (laughs) This room's too new. And on top of that, they all died in different ways. And it's like, what a way to think of your mortality while you're on stage trying to do comedy. Like Bernie Mac, taken out by a heart condition. Mitch Hedberg, heroine, uh, uh, Robin John Williams. Panette
1: died in the comedy condo. Yeah, you know, comedy it is. condo. Yeah.
0: Bob Saget taken out by the hotel. Yeah. The hotel, the slippery, pip pip pip, hit his head. Hotel took him out. And you, it's just like, maybe put a live one up there. Yeah. Just put it, maybe some big acts that aren't dead, like Roy Wood Jr. He's There's probably, he's too big to play the small room, because yeah. the room's for guys like me. Put his picture up there, like some, couple live ones, you know? <laughs> Jesus. And uh, I pointed that out, and I, I pointed it out in the top of my set, kind of bummed everybody out the first night <laughs> I was there. I was like, hey, did you guys notice everyone's dead? And they didn't. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and That's then I weird. Everyone's made everyone sad, and I was like, well, I have a divorce group named after me. So let's pick it on up. How was the divorce group? Were they a good group? They were an awesome... Dude, The well, the entire Portland crowd was hot. Oh, nice. Like, it was a Wednesday, which is always iffy on, like, you know, who's going to bring their A-game to a Wednesday, but wednesday was hot thursday was hot and then friday and saturday were both hot and then friday both shows were hot and then saturday they're like you know what we've heard about these great shows you've been having we're gonna bring you down a notch (laughs) and and so both shows saturday were also sold out but like they were just a more subdued audience they weren't a bad audience but they're like we've we've heard that um your self-esteem is a little high Maybe bordering on arrogant. We're we'll gonna fix it. we're gonna bring you down to earth, just a touch, yeah. just not too much. You're still gonna have a good time. We're still gonna have fun, but we don't want you to feel like you're the best comic you're in the world. You're not gonna be talking about these shows. No. That's what we'll say. <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna be happy the week's over, and you're gonna That's be funny. happy you're going home. So uh, overall, um, overall amazing. But, uh, but yeah, it's good to be home. I actually I don't know why I didn't start with this, but this morning I uh, I actually did the uh the thing i've been wanting to do before recording these podcasts i actually ran prospect park i got up early annoyed emma because i was up too early and i ran prospect park and i came back and i felt good about myself because normally i don't and i just eat like a i'll go to ground central and get like a croissant drill that into my face and i remember this happened to me last time so Emma pointed this out about me. I never noticed, but if, if she ever brings up, like, hey, you want to go out and get a donut or something? I'll go, yeah, and then I'll pinch my love handle. I'll, it's like a tick I have that I never noticed I had. And she's like, I don't know if you notice this, but every time we talk about eating a food that may not be healthy, you go, yeah, and then you pinch the fat in your love handle. To s- it's almost like I'm checking to see if there's space. It's almost like I'm <laughs> checking to see if I've done enough this week to suffice, having a French cruller over at the uh, the donut shop, and the last time I did the podcast, I went. I was heading home. I was super hungry, and I was thinking about what I wanted to eat, and I was thinking about some unhealthy options. And I had just gotten off the train, and I was pinching my love handle. No one's around. It's just me and pinching my love handle. And you know how those like subway drivers stick their head out the window? Mm -hmm. So this dude had his head out the window because it was about to take off and we just make eye contact. And he sees me pinching my love handle. And he, I don't know how to describe the look he gave me, but it registered. (laughs) Like he knew what I was doing and I think he knew why I was doing it. And he just gave me a look that was like, have the donut. Like, just go have the. You're doing fine. Go. He he
1: did say he looked out the the window. He goes, "You getting on, fatty? I guess I'm not. Guess I'll get my donut." I I would have way more fun than those guys do if I was one of the one of the middle train conductors.
0: That you got to stick your head out. If you're trying to jump in front of the train, this one's taking off now. (laughs) I got my hand on the stop button, so don't even try it. (laughs) At best, you're going to sprain your ankle.
1: Just jump on the third rail when we leave. It'll do the same job, and I won't have to clean it up. (laughs) Next stop, 51st.
0: (laughs) Man, I used to have a really mean joke about people that would... When I lived in San Diego, on my way home, the last stretch on my way home, there was a bridge where three times that year people like threatened to jump off the bridge and you know, they shut off traffic Sure, and then they eventually would get them off. But the reason I was, you know, I'm, I normally have sympathy for these types of people. I don't anyone that's you know, suicidal, like, damn, I feel bad for you. But the reason it was such a big deal is I was driving from 45 minutes away at the mechanic shop I worked at mm. and something else you need to know about me. I don't poop away from home. All right. So that drive home is more important than most drives home. That's a real critical drive home. And so when I would get to that last stretch, these turds would be knocking on Heaven's gate, or knocking on Heaven's door, just steal a lyric from uh, old Axl Rose. And I was like, and then we'd just be stopped. And then the bridge, and the other part that pissed me off, the bridge wasn't high enough. Like, it's not, it was a little overpass over a bridge where I'm like, you, that's, you're just gonna break your leg. You're not going to die. You're not gonna, even if you fell on your face, you're going to break your nose, but you're going to survive. Yeah. You're this isn't going to accomplish what you want. We have bigger bridges. I purposely take this way home cuz it's a shorter bridge. And you like and then they didn't never did it. They would just stand up there and do the. Uh, that's hey. why you're not
1: a police negotiator. Yeah. yeah, yeah
0: that's, hey,
1: can I take you to a big, a better bridge? <laughs> yeah, listen, I'll take you to a better get bridge. Get in the car. It's I'll higher. Really have a much higher bridge, if you want. But this ain't it, pal.
0: But I used to be so frustrated, and man, I don't think that joke would fly today. But I used to. I'm like, they should have a rule where you get three, whoa, like three <laughs> maybes, and then after the third one, a cop with a pole goes, "That was three, right?" And then they <laughs> shove him off, and then there's a guy at the bottom with a push broom. That just kind of and then traffic (laughs) opens up again it's a little dark i don't think that flies today in everyone's mental health safe world uh which you know i'm all for mental health therapy advocate over here but when you're uh when you got a dump you really lose all sympathy for everybody in your way Mm. everybody in your way i had to take a dump at the minneapolis airport uh we're really ending this with the classy conversation we started it with a deep conversation we're ending it uh in In the mud if you will uh (laughs) but i had to go to the bathroom and i show up and there's a line for the stalls and i'm like everyone in those stalls is doing what i want to do and now i'm like now i got to sit on a warm seat so i got mad and i left and then i'm just prancing through minneapolis airport going to the next bathroom and i get there and close the door i'm doing my business and it reminded me why i hate pooping in public and not just in public but more personally at the airport mm. because that is the most vulnerable i've ever felt it's you're in a stall with all your belongings pants down by your ankles like someone could bust in and steal all of your things and you wouldn't know what to do you, all you'd get out is hey that's all you'd <laughs> get out oh no <laughs> oh like and you're like do i and then you i would have to assess what's in those bags to see if it's worth chasing you down the corridor with a dirty ass. You know, you gotta do that. Cause you're like, I'm I'm not even at the airport where I am I can take care of this. I still, I checked my bag. I don't have clean clothes in that. My computer's in there. I need that computer. So you gotta go through, and I was actually having these thoughts in case someone busted in for no reason and stole my bag. I'd be like, all right, you're gonna wipe twice, pull it up and then chase them out. You just wrap your hand in toilet paper before you start just in yeah. case you gotta wrap it. <laughs> I got you bud <laughs> just tackle him bare assed uh but yeah yeah i'm a, am uh, an at-home pooper i don't know how that went down with the suicides st- i think is steve martin no not steve martin robin williams some conversation took us down that road anyway um self-conscious love handle grab i'm anti-community i don't know how far are we on time 45. Forty-five. That's pretty yeah, good. Do some more if you want. That's pretty good. Whatever I, you want. All right. Well, I'll I'll do the baggage carousel. I love the baggage carousel. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, see you next week. Anywho, Topo Chico, shove it up your ass. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. The uh, I I had I watched a guy pick up my bag at the baggage carousel. I don't know if I told you this. But it came out, I took my big bag because I took all this merch with me. And um, I watched the guy reach for the bag that I was pretty sure was mine. And then he picked it up, put it down, and then realized it wasn't his and put it back. And then it went two more feet and then I took it. And then he just kind of gave me a look like, why didn't you tell me that was your bag? And I kind of just gave him a look like, well, I wasn't sure either. But we did it all with a glance. Mm. He just kind of gave me a look like... And I was like, I, and then I <laughs> wheeled it off and yeah, we should have ended it before that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was looking at both your eyes and I was like, yeah, we should have, that was about it. Auntie, and then I you- opened the bag up. Let's have, let's <laughs> yeah. and
1: Then I opened the bag up. It was filled with dildos and drugs. And then I got arrested. And then the the dirty white cops. Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Insert humorous anecdote.
0: I realized when I flipped my luggage over, it said, I hate gypsies. And I'm like, <laughs> how did they know I was half gypsy? And that's how that, yeah, yep, we had Nassan Menage. They,
1: they saw that I turned the word Jew into gypsy to try to fit
0: into society. I doubt it. Anyway, I catch me on the Daily Show. Catch me on The Daily Show. <laughs> I think that's the episode for this week. Thank you for uh, listening, downloading, doing what you do to support. Go to ZoltanComedy.com. See me live and ciao, everybody. Trekking heavy, our traveling life. There's one thing that's right wherever I go. That's where I am.